It's Liz Berg here at WFMU with a special episode of the podcast today. I've got a live set of music from Chicago's Ono. That is O-N-O as in Onomatopoeia. And the group started in 1980 as a sort of experimental slash performance art collective. And uh, they released a bunch of albums, played a bunch of crazy shows. They sing about topics that have to do with um, America's body, racial past, and uh, the struggles that have happened racially in America and culturally as well. Um, They've come back in recent years to release a few records on the moniker label out of Chicago, and uh, their latest album is Spooks, and I think it's just a fantastic slash disturbing slash even bone-chilling look into the mirror here of American culture, especially in light of recent events, um, such as the murder of Michael Brown, etc., Sean Bell, etc., etc. So um, stay tuned and uh, listen to this great live set. I think it will, it will put some crazy thoughts into your head. It will draw some parallels between recent events and ugly events in, the, in America's past. And uh, the conversation afterwards is certainly worth listening to. So um, without further ado, let's listen to a live set of music from Ono. Stirred. In the 
before her there, a tree sprang forth. Old age bemoaned in bloom. Her fruit. Her fruit. Old age bemoaned in bloom. Her fruit. Sudden shadow play in dream no more. Sudden shadow play in dream no more. Sudden shadows lay in dream no more. Oh, believe there's a little heaven now, man. 
Mississippi, 
Oh no, thanks for coming to WFMU from Chicago. Thanks from for the having us. Past, the present, the future. It was an amazing <laughs> set, and uh, I loved every bit of it. Thank you for having thanks us. Thanks for having here. us a second time. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, Brian Turner hosted you guys in 2014. Correct. Hey, Brian. And Thank uh, you. yeah, that was coming off of yet another uh, comeback album, shall we say? <laughs> and uh, this latest album that you've put out is entitled Spooks. Yep. And uh, it's kind of bone chilling. It's kind of disturbing and uh, just sublimely wonderful. It's such a great distillation of, I don't know, my feelings personally towards what's going on in, in the news and all of that these days. And I, I'm curious about your inspiration for the album, if it's the past, the present, a specific incident or incidents. You're correct. It's the past, present, and future. And it... it um I suppose the name and some of the artwork was inspired by Samuel Delaney's the book Dahlgren, which is something Jordan was really into and kind of something that we had read earlier a long time ago but forgot all about, and Jordan kind of re, remi reminded us about it. And uh, some of the artwork is based upon that, and Travis did that. And uh, But the words, of course, and the... Uh, thoughts behind it were always kind of related to Samuel Delaney and that book. Uh, it had a, lot, a bit of a big influence on us when we read it back in the 80s, maybe, I think it was the 80s I think I read it. But I uh, didn't, never thought about it, some kind of subliminal. And uh, so there's a lot of, if you've read the book, there's a lot of feeling um, re related to that record. I think if it, what P. Michael is referring to is the, the dystopia mm -hmm. that you uh, sense in uh, Dahlgren. Uh, whereas the dystopia that is uh, directly and uh, and and in real time is very much of my time and our time in that much of it uh, stems from 1963 to 1969 when I was in the military um, as well as issues that seem to be new and or relevant now but uh, for for black folks, for queer folks, for um, veteran folks, uh, those issues are not at all new. Um, they influence now, they have an impact now on larger numbers of, of white, suburban, uh, middle class, upper class Americans. And so uh, the idea of spooks is uh, not just uh, a, a uh, black term, uh, it is, uh, it's very much an American term. I'm Native American and black, and P. Michael uh, is Italian American, we've got Chinese American, Greek American, we've got white American, we've got all of these folks, we are America. So we are singing the song of our America. We are spooks. <laughs> <laughs> And there's tons of overlays and violent overlays on the record. Uh, it's a, probably, what, a 10-piece band plus um, guests. And uh, the band was the bands were divided in half, five and five. And each were given headphones. And uh, five people heard one soundtrack. Five people heard the other soundtrack, which was an overlay of the uh, first bands, what the first band heard. So... It was mixed by Cooper Crane, um, who's in the band Cave, and 
Bajan Bajas, and he took the bands and he would flip back and forth between the two bands. So what you're hearing is a mix of two bands playing the same piece, um, overlaid simultaneously. Yeah, overlaid. Plus the guest individuals that were on there, which uh, there was Al Jorgensen, there was Hilal Omar Al Jamal, who was an R&B singer. There was um. Dr. Shannon Rose Riley. Shannon Rose Riley's not one really of the guest. original. Yeah, no, not a uh, guest, but uh, one of the original Ono mm -hmm. members, and uh, uh, she's doing and has done a lot of research in uh, Haiti and in South America, which is relevant to this. Uh, mm -hmm. At that very same moment, um, um, 63 to 69, when I was in the military and in Cuba and uh, the Dominican Republic, uh, and America was expending a great deal of energy there. Uh, Shannon Rose Riley is now looking at that same group and period in terms of philosophies, uh, performance, and uh, the performative aspects of, of uh, uh, connections uh, between cultures. And there's so much to be said about that that we don't dare talk about in America now. But leave it to Ono. And then, of course, we got folks like Rebecca uh, and Dalway who are standing here, but will not. Come on, come on, you guys. Have a and Shannon appeared um, today uh, via tape. At the very end, she was doing the recitation of Dessaline from a play. Who has made ye master, master here. here. Master here. You can hear that at the very end. What will make you master And Bim from Obnox was there, right. too, yeah. in the recording. Yeah, Bim was on the record as well. He was on Obnox, and he, was, he did a lot of vocals and guitar. The record is just so amazing and so powerful, and I had no idea that that was actually how you guys recorded it and mixed it. That's mm -hmm. kind of an insane process. And <laughs> it was truly insane. Tell me, tell me about it. Yeah, only a genius would have thought of that. <laughs> and we didn't know until we got there. That that yeah, was that's right. They had no clue happen. that the band was being divided. I sat there the night before and tried to say, well, this is going to be a lot of people trying to record, so how are we going to make this work? How are we going to... Yeah. So, so were you the mastermind, P. Michael? Unfortunately, Michael. I had to, I had <laughs> to come up. It was more curtain. like desperation. He's the man behind the curtain. <laughs> I had to think of a way to make this work because there's a lot of people. That's true. <laughs> so I divided them in half and just gave half a script and the other half a script. And I, that's the only way I could figure out how to keep the, keep it keep some kind of sanity. That is so great. And the record Spooks is on the Moniker record label, and uh, Jordan Reyes, who is playing guitar in the group today, is actually a rep of <laughs> Moniker Records. And we've hosted many great acts from the Moniker label here at WFMU, but um, maybe Jordan can say a little something about, you know, what inspired you guys to uh, to connect with Ono in the first place, you know, for the, you know, Reunion or resurgence or whatever you guys want to call it, but your your comeback from um, silence for a few years. Well, Robert had um, Robert started Monica Records um, f about five years ago, and uh, he asked me to be partner with him uh, probably a year and three months ago. And I had known Ono, um, and we actually had discovered the mutual love and interest of Dahlgren through an interview I had done with them. Uh, for a small blog that I ran at the time and um, so we had uh, discovered that we had you know similar interests and um, palette of influence 
but Robert had already put out Albino and um, Diegesis. and Diegesis by uh, Ono before, and so I knew that they were recording this double LP, um, and I knew that they were doing an electrical audio, um, but I had also moved to Miami um, last January, and so it was sort of, um, I guess, something that Robert knew a little more in terms of uh, the transparency of the whole process and knew Ono um, back then. Of course, it's a complete honor to work with them, and it's been nothing but uh, miraculous since. Yeah, and the interesting thing is that Robert had not ever had not heard Spooks before he uh, released it. It was a surprise to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's a he nice trick really, to pull on the record company. He didn't really know the concept or just anything. Just put this it's out. Just, trust us. It was just, yeah. I mean, he heard that you know we were having um, you know some of these guest individuals on there and thought that was really cool that we had pulled in some um, guests and stuff and thought that was a really good idea. But he had never heard it or didn't know what to expect and it was like whoa because i i went into the studio the last uh cooper crane was having some last minute issues with trying to get it all mixed because it's so dense that i went in to help him uh because he we were behind schedule i went in and uh and i put the finishing touches on and then robert heard it about two or three days later cooper sent it to him and it was like whoa this is really really <laughs> unwell yeah <laughs> i mean he liked it but it was just they didn't expect Unwell. that. Nobody expected that. Uh, and, and, and something I think that it often gets missed uh, or perhaps lost in all this talk is that um, there, is, there, are, there are so many people involved and uh, new people, for instance, who uh, are relatively new to this Ono process, or should I call it P. Michael's process, because I have no clue what is on <laughs> his mind either. Uh, I wait, and I'm told what to do, and I'm willing to go where he tells me to go. However, there are these folks who are uh, relatively new to Ono, Dawes here in the room, Ben Billington, and uh, Rebecca has been with us for a very long time also, and you rarely hear very much from them, but they are central to the mix mm -hmm. because they are willing to go the route that P. Michael uh, will very often dictate at the moment, and so it's not possible to anticipate musically what he wants. And there's a lot to be said for that when you are forming a band, a cohesive band, and that lot does not often get spoken of, and it is important to me. Uh, so so you guys that are standing there saying nothing, well, it's, I, I do respect your work. People's <laughs> process inspires a certain amount of surrender. <laughs> and I think that's what's so addicting. Well, yeah, we, we never we never really know what's going to happen, and which kind of makes it interesting. It's kind of like walking a tightrope. You don't really know. What he's actually saying you. is that P. Michael's a fascist, yeah. and we deal with it. A benevolent dictator, as we call them here at WFMU. Well, okay. Well, not so benevolent. <laughs> on certain days. <laughs> well, there, all, there also has to be an incredible and Improvisational chemistry between all of you. Oh no! Uh, oh, it's not improv. No, no, no. That's why There's I no said improvisation. Fascist. It's not improv. 
It's coming from your head. It's from P. Michael's head, <laughs> and you have to listen on so many levels. I mean, if I, if I, I get real nervous when I think, well, gee, drummers have ideas about beats, but that those ideas have really relatively little to do with what's going on in P. Michael's mind. So how do you do, um, how do you, what, what, who is, where's the beat you're listening to? Or with a guitar, for instance, when P. Michael wants specific moments, but that seemed to have no real relevance except to maybe a certain phrase at a certain a certain uh, vocal phrase or a certain uh, moment in a song and you are expected to find that and do that and and so that is why I am forever in the face of the other artists who are playing wondering well gee how can they be happy with this how can you ever be happy with this unknowing Speak well, to me, folks. Well, that's where all the magic is. We're, we're, we're in it for the free beer sometimes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Coming in for the free beer. And yeah, usually if folks, to... folks are amazed at how it comes out, but it doesn't sound that way while it's going in. It sounds really, really chaotic sometimes and strange what's happening live, but, but when you hear it play back, it says, oh, okay, that kind of does work. You know? <laughs> it's like, well, how did that happen? When we recorded that record, uh, yeah. we were all in the studio like, 11 of us or 12 of us and none of us had any clue what was going to happen mm -hmm. i mean i i mean honestly we were playing two separate bands playing it was like two different bands playing two different songs at once in the mm -hmm. studio and it was complete chaos mm -hmm. and then you hear this record come out i mean what came out of that session is like i mean it's like magic or something because i mean there's no way that i would have ever anticipated the sound of that record coming and, from the session uh, <laughs> like i don't really understand Travis's it. Voice, <laughs> you really don't know who's doing what yeah so the the cool thing about that is that you get to uh, surrender your sense of ego because you know you know it has nothing to do with you yeah. <laughs> I, I, I believe it's a, it's a testament it's a, it's a spiritual <laughs> experience it's a testament to cooper crane's magical yes. touch and I wrote like extensive notes to him on how I wanted certain things to sound and so did Shannon. Shannon and I both got together and kind of did um, assist associate production with him and we wrote extensive notes on stuff and then we would write notes back and forth with him about what to do with the mix and then finally at the very end when when he uh, got a little bit stuck on a couple of things about which way to go with something I just went in there myself because I refused to, to uh, stop to be a part of his uh, mixing I, I want him to do it and have fun and do what he wants to and he also plays instruments on there that I don't know about so sometimes we'll hear the record and we'll say well I don't remember hearing anybody playing that and it's like ha, 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 that's Cooper <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as for me, I don't care. Right, I don't care Because either. I don't like music in the first place. So what comes <laughs> out is this overlay of what is very often my words. And, and for instance, I've never listened to the last three LPs that have so much of my military experience, my, my Vietnam and all of that, because it's just so ugly. It is... Uh, it, it, it's unsettling and I don't want to go to those places as Travis. When I'm performing, I'm not performing as Travis. I'm performing in the character of the performance because the performance is always 
different. It's another experience from uh, the real-time life of a, quote, Travis person. And so being able to create this character around a premise, and all of our performances are based in clearly defined premises. So that character then is then in the sounds that are coming from these various uh, creators in that room, and the words are coming from someone, but that other, that it's the, um, I think, yes, um, the I who is someone else, um, and, and, and that allows me to maintain a, a certain level of balance. Um, uh, Arthur Rimbaud said the I who is someone else, and, and working that way allows me to get outside myself and do it, do, uh, and create the process from another experience, and then allow these folks who are working to make it an experience, an entertaining experience, to have their way with words that have been written by another person. I know that's mad and and neurotic, but I'm okay with that. But it's also you do what an you want element to do. of surrender, Michael. Yeah. Which is what you know we get to experience with working with you. I'll it's surrender hell when he's yelling at us. It doesn't seem like surrender because me, Michael, will grab that red. No, I just know. I, I just want this. Oh yeah, and 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 the other side of that coin though is that there are all these people and they're musicians and they have their own bands, they have their own projects. Why would they want to subject themselves <laughs> to the sheer trauma? The because free beer. We were saying the free the beer. Free beer. It's because well, I don't drink. <laughs> it's because I know exactly what you can do, and so I just want you to do what I I know you can do so well. So I just make I just try to pull it out of you. That's oh, you sound and like I know that, I know that you want to do you want to do what you want to do too. So I just want to make sure. And, and and like I say, because things are so thick and dense that. Sometimes things get lost, so it's just a matter of like each hearing each other, and that's that's the tricky part. Let's talk a, a little bit about um, the your, I guess a little bit more about your artistic relationship, P. Michael and and Travis. You guys have been collaborating for many years. Mm -hmm. You went, you, you kind of uh, hit the pause button for a while, and then reemerged. And um, what happened there? School, um, <laughs> finishing school, um, getting a job. Um, life gets in the way. Life got in the way, and Travis <laughs> went to get his degrees, and I went to get my degrees, and uh, stuff like that. And I, then I moved out of town, moved to Hawaii, and a couple of places. World yeah. travel. Yeah. Uh, life was pretty. Uh, well, life was always traumatic. I was, uh, I was a Kundalini Sikh before. I was on my way to New Mexico. P. Michael started all of this and said, "We're going to have a band. We're going to do your work." And I said, "No, I don't like music. I'm not at all interested in competing with musicians and artists decadent in Mississippi, where I was born." Well, he said, "We're going to do sonic environments," and I agreed with that and decided to completely turn my life around. And that was January fifth, nineteen eighty, and then started studying at Northwestern University. And the fun was that I could then learn about performance uh, with Dr. Dwight Conkergood and, and learn about uh, how to create premises and that sort of thing, as well as doing a master's thesis uh, on vernacular architecture. Well, uh, from uh, then at uh, 
10 years or so, not, well not even 10 years into that, then suddenly Shannon is in school, I'm in school, P. Michael is in school and performing in California, and Rick is away up in North, and so we were away, but not really retired or out of the scene because for all of my projects at Northwestern, I did performance. For every school project, I added a performative overlay using P. Michael or Shannon or mm -hmm. folks there. And so we were always doing these, uh, these, these other, uh, other instances, um, uh, other realisms, if you will. And so we were there, but not there simultaneously. And, it, and that was workable until Steve Krakow came, did an interview, as he said, found us again in my house, did an interview on the radio and all this stuff, and then suddenly people wanted to know what we were doing. So it wasn't as if we had stopped. Um, um, it was we were doing what we do and what I think that most folks really do who are, are n as neurotic or, or close to it as, uh, as we were at the time because we are from that generation I think where folks, P. Michael for instance was studying medicine uh, then uh, art and then all and then I was studying uh, uh, Shannon Rose Riley who now teaches in California we're all studying where are all those people now they're doing all sorts of things they're really not on the grid but they're also not the disappeared uh, and uh, who knows they may reappear as politicians uh, this would be a great time for that and, uh, our work has always been political so we don't we expect to see all our friends in the media <laughs> have uh, recent events or uh, you know politically or just in the news, you know, recent racial tensions in America, um, have those become points of inspiration or have the, have you felt compelled to, to be artistic uh, with Ono because of those, those things? Funny thing about that is that what's what's new is old is real, real, real. We've old. been living this the, all of our lives. That if that the pot finally <laughs> boiled over is no surprise. That's why Ono was relevant then, and why it, it more so now, sadly. Um. Yeah, there is still driving wild black. There is still so you know uh, we deal with it um, as 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 racial beings in America um, very often because we don't have other options. We don't know. Um, we don't know. White people don't know who white people are. Uh, black folks know uh, very little about themselves. They have some sense of what it is uh, that isn't working. But when we talk, when white people are looking at each other, how are they relating uh, to their past uh, as well? as their present. Uh, is it really simply a matter of their color or is it uh, a look at ideas about elitism? Uh, is it, I, are they looking at ideas 
about empire, an empire of an old country versus uh, an old civilization versus a new civilization. For certainly we know uh, about the world that the Americas created in South America, for instance, in the 19th century. We know that much of France and, and, and Brussels and all these areas were, uh, were deeply uh, enmeshed in the lives of, of, of the natives of Haiti, for instance, which, which we talk about on the record. And the idea of, of France charging Haitians, for instance, reparations after Haiti won the war and, and, and those kinds of things. Everybody knows those things, but we, we have a place we put them. It is to the good, I think, of Ono and all these folks who are willing to listen to Ono that black and white, and there are more whites that listen to Ono than, than, than black folks because black folks, oddly enough, very often want to be white, they're whiter than white folks and can be because they know you. And so we are that point that we look at America in a mirror and say, ha, 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 here we are. What are you going to do with us now? And so folks come to our show and they will give us all sorts of incredible confessions about themselves, their parents and all of that. And I think that's a good thing because they can talk. There are we there we're a band that can talk to, and the people who are part of the band are also folks who have to deal with their own families, with their own bands, their own projects. Where you're in that band that talks about sodomy, you're in that band that talks about miscegenation. You're in that those kinds of things. I think are important, uh, or they, or have a place in contemporary American society. And if you pay attention to the words that were spoken today, those were the roots of what what's going on now. Well, um, syphilis, yeah. <laughs> all the various presidents that gave us syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> or didn't stop well, it. And in, yeah. People really know about the Tuskegee experiment. Or want to forget. And that's why some um, people don't go to the doctor. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> your, your question, Fleur de Lis was recorded right after Michael Brown was uh, killed in Ferguson. And so for me, that was like gestalt therapy to be able to just get that out because it was just so horrific. So it was a direct, definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm, direct I'm, relationship. I'm glad you said that because, uh, you know, Travis was talking about conversations, and this is, this is inspiring people to have conversations about you know these ugly things that have happened or are happening in in a, our society here, especially in America, at the moment. But um, I think uh, last year and and earlier this year, those conversations were like almost starting to happen in the in the mainstream media, like after two incidents, like Beyonce the Super Bowl and Kendrick Lamar's performance. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I was wondering yeah. <laughs> what your thoughts were about that. I mean, obviously, you guys go much <laughs> deeper into these, these Lamar, issues, whoa. but uh, that was something else. Yeah, I respect 
them for endangering their mortgages. <laughs> there you go. It's about the money. <laughs> um, uh, because I'm well aware that a lot of folks, white folks and black folks, screamed at the networks about, oh, how offensive this is. This is a, this is inter not entertainment. Well, every day I am entertained in my black neighborhood down on the south in side Chicago. of Chicago. And I go to funerals and I watch what is happening there and I listen and I am well aware also that preachers, black preachers are just as invested in black youth dying as are some white groups. Oof. Ooh, suddenly Ooh. everything got quiet. <laughs> Alright, well let's uh, <laughs> we'll drop the mic on that one for a moment. <laughs> Let's talk well, about it is for posterity. I know. Well, uh, you know, perpetuity. Uh, uh, yeah, perpetuity. I think the conversation thing is really important, and I think that's why, I think that's why spooks just stood out to me is because it just seemed like the perfect reaction to everything that was going on that was you know ugly and that you just you know felt bad about in your gut, um, you know, over the past few years, and then you know drawing the parallels between. Uh, you know, incidents that were similar, scarily so, in, in American history. Um, I, I just think you guys boiled it down better than anybody else could. Better than Beyonce, better than Kendrick Lamar. Well, thank Lamar. you, but we thank have you. written those things many, many years ago, and there They're are old. hundreds more where those came from. And the idea that, that we would... Uh, we. Uh, I, for instance, haven't watched television in eight years, um, uh, and and there's you know very good reason for that. But um, the the thought that there is this this undercurrent that you hear in spooks this 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 tragedy there is what I noticed in today's recording is that there is this really really supreme rumble that is happening undercurrent that was unplanned and that reminds me very much of what you're saying here's this there's there is there is a certain anxiety that underpins so much of our conversation so much of what we do or don't do and what we say and don't say it's like that unspoken rumble that is in the room and and we don't really approach it until something ugly happens well in my neighborhood something ugly happens every couple of days so i've been writing these all along and i'm i'm a vietnam veteran so uh when i'm up there on the stage wearing full-length frocks and all of that, it's not just because I'm trying uh, to excite your sensibilities, it's also that I'm, I'm identifying with a lot of groups, a lot of things that are going on in the character that is being presented, including issues, LBGTQ issues and the like. I was Vice President and Treasurer of American Veterans for Equal, Equal Rights for 10 years, Chicago chapter, and the issues of veterans, for instance, a lot of issues that are never approached, especially uh, trans people and trans people that are dying continuously and we don't look at those issues. Well, those issues come up suddenly when you see this old black man on the stage talking in a, in a, in a long dress talking about sodomy. 
and syphilis and all of that. And we need to we need to think about those things because we can't expect that the uh, medical industry and and that the pharmaceutical industry is going to be better by us if we don't require it and demand it of them. Yep, they need to sell the pills to cure those diseases. <laughs> Do I hear? <laughs> Dawe, you're over there in the corner. Talk to me. What's happening? Um, yeah, no. Uh, Speak. She's friendly. <laughs> um, let me see. I'm just trying to think of what to say. Well, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I think our, our sound in Ono is, is kind of, you can, you can say it's kind of representational of, like, our different cultural backgrounds. And um, you could mention ethnic, ethnic, ethnic backgrounds, but definitely our cultural and political backgrounds, how it's sort of a... Uh, just a diverse like uh, melange or a mixture of uh, different influences and experiences. Um, and um, we basically just sort of, uh, you know, P. Michael's kind of like the, uh, the Andy Warhol of the group where he just basically points his finger and selects different, different elements to sort of throw in like a big salad. And basically he just sort of, uh, you know, selects certain sounds or certain unique sounds from, from different members that he knows that that member will specialize in. And, sort of allows like sort of a, a framed um, creativity, you know, and it becomes, yeah, kind of like a salad. So, um, I mean, in some ways it's kind of like a metaphor. Our sound is sort of like a metaphor for like the different backgrounds Gumbo. and experiences. And, <laughs> and oh then you can say, we're just like America. Yeah. America yeah. in a blender, I call you earlier. There you go, America in a blender. Yeah, in all kinds of ways. Yeah. Or as Mark Master said, the abattoir. <laughs> the, the, the blender grinder. <laughs> the abattoir. Meat grinder. What other creative projects are you guys involved with? I should have done this earlier, but Travis was on vocals, P. Michael on beats, electronics, bass, yeah. mm -hmm. Dawe on guitar, um, Rebecca on keyboards, Ben on drums, and Jordan on guitar. But um, what other projects are you, do you guys have going on artistically right now? Man. Hi, I have lots of things going on. I have a band called Tiger Hatchery. It's like a free jazz, sort of harsh free jazz band. Um, I do a solo thing called Quick Sales. It's like a, another salad of sorts, uh, but mostly electronic based. I play in a bunch of improvisational projects in Chicago, a lot of free jazz. ADT. Uh, a band called ADT that plays a lot these days. Um, we're, we're, we're doing the whole 70s Chick Corea, Miles Davis through a blender vibe. I don't know. And then Ono's been a, a, a big priority for me for the last few years. Um, they were one of my favorite bands of all time, if not still my favorite band of all time that I got to play shows with and share bills with and go see, you know, all the time in Chicago. And then and then uh, all of a sudden I'm playing drums with them. So it's, a, it's an honor. <laughs> I, uh... Jordan. Jordan. Uh, I, uh... Right now, my most active project is like a solo industrial thing that's actually rooted in um, like Gregorian chants. I use uh, a vocal um, looping pedal to create a back, a back backing track for me. So it's usually like some so sort of melody, um, like medievalish, and then a heavy bass, and then you know something on top, and then either I'm you know yelling or. Uh, singing on top of that there's this uh video of it 
was called Man in Black Yelling. My project is Taffophile, but I think Man in Black Yelling, because I was wearing all black. Um, is, with a cowboy hat. Yeah, with a cowboy hat, which was sort of my signature thing in Chicago until I shaved my head. It was really uh, cowboying it up. Um, but um, so maybe, maybe it should be Man in Black Yelling, um, I think. In cowboy hat. Yeah, in cowboy hat. And then. Yeah, I, I've always sort of had a love for literature and reading, um, which is how I sort of bonded with the members of Ono. Yeah. And um, so I write a lot, and that's sort of why I make songs, is like you can sometimes tell a story a lot quicker in a, in a song than like, you know, writing out and like giving yourself all the headache of mapping out a novel or something. And uh, then you can release it and uh, like all um, truly great artistic things, it's uh, it can be quite the exorcism. So I, I don't do anything else musically. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Period. <laughs> That's all I need. I, I can't deal with more more musicians. Oh, no, it's keeping you busy <laughs> that way. <laughs> My life is sad enough. I can't do anything else. Yeah, I, got, I got some TV to watch. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's <laughs> what I'm doing. I'm uh, trying to keep up with Broad City, you know. I am uh, retired. And I'm Travis. Retirement is weird. Uh, suddenly, everybody thinks that tomorrow you're dead. Uh, in, every day in the mail, they want to know about, have you uh, filled out your beneficiaries form, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, well, here I am, 70 years old, and I've never been to a hospital in my life. I'm hoping if I ever go, I just die there quickly. But in the meantime, I have to make each day work. So uh, when I retired, I bought $5,000 worth of Apple equipment, and I think that Apple should give all senior citizens $5,000 worth of equipment. <laughs> and I am having more fun than ever because I can do all these wonderful uh, projects. Right now, I'm uh, working on um, a draw a list a set a set of drawings that illustrates Russell Atkins book uh, Russell Atkins the poet from Cleveland Ohio 90 years old um, uh, on the on February 25th this year and he was the man in Cleveland when I I got out of Vietnam, went back to University of Akron, then went to uh, Cleveland studying martial arts and various other things, then I started performing uh, at Russell Atkins' workshop at Karamu House in Cleveland. He at that time was already published, considered the most avant-garde artist in the black community, and, and he, his work was performed at, in a German avant-garde circles, uh, and had been uh, since the 50s, uh, his music, his poetry, and it's pretty extreme. Well, the book he was working on in 1976 when I was there was Here in the, which I prefer to say, Here in the, and it's a, uh, a book of poems. I published uh, online eight of those with drawings, uh, illustrated, if you will, 
on February 25th, his birthday, and decided now that I am going to illustrate the entire book in black and white drawings, and I'm halfway there now. And uh, other than that, I am also uh, illustrating chapters of uh, Delaney's Dahlgren, uh, which uh, once Jordan got me back into thinking about how it relates to what Ono does in terms of its environment and environmentalism. I'm, 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 I'm completely enwrapped, uh, entrapped in it. Uh, and so I'm illustrating, I'm, no, I'm not illustrating, drawing, creating these, I've got 150 so far. Um, the book is almost 900 pages, and I've read it twice, working on a third time. It doesn't make any more sense now than it ever did. <laughs> uh, but I'm in the middle of that kind of thing, and I paint every day as well. Can I say a little bit about Dahlgren? Absolutely. Cool. Um, Dahlgren's my favorite book of all time, and um, I think it's been obviously heavily influential on Ono. Um, when I was in college, I had this amazing professor, Fred Moten, who um, was uh, heavily invested in uh, black radical history, and um, he gave me a really amazing semester. The only uh, class I never skipped, actually. <laughs> um, and uh, Dahlgren was the second book that we read. and. Um, Dahlgren's about um, a nameless um, protagonist, um, it, even if you can call it a protagonist, really, um, who ventures into this city. It's loosely based off of 70s Detroit. Um, there's been this unexplained event horizon that's happened there, and um, the protagonist who goes by the kid is sort of um, wrapped in these um, chains of lenses and prisms, and the idea of the conduit, um, uh, almost uh, shamanic living, um, comes uh, through this character. And so he um, has a lot of sort of unexplained things happening, and there's this like loosely veiled idea of like dyslexia. How do you communicate with something when the world doesn't make sense to you. And so the kid loses uh, memory at times, he regains it at others. Um, he remembers some very, very lucid uh, experiences in his history. He doesn't remember others. He looks much younger than he is. He knows he's part Native American. And so he has this really sort of uh, puzzling identity um, that changes during the course of the book quite a bit. He becomes this sort of savior messiah and he comes across other saviors and other messiahs. Um, but the whole thing just totally changed how I thought about um, sexuality, what I thought about race, what I thought about what it means to be American and a cosmic American when um, you're in a place where even the cosmology itself doesn't make any sense. And every time I finish a book to this day I wonder, well, should I go buy another book or should I just read Dahlgren again? Because honestly, that's about as good as it gets. <laughs> Even the New York Times agrees with you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it must be right. Recently, I've read it about three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> it is great. I, and it, 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 it has an impact on the way that some of the premises in Ono, um, ono shows are 
presented because there is this whole idea of, of time and the, uh, the retranslating of time and how that can change from song to song and how a person, an artist, can inspire or influence your ideas about time, your, uh, your ideas about sonic logic and rationale. And so that uh, is what keeps appealing to me about Dahlgren every time I read it. And I think about Ono and how that, does, how that works with our presentations as do you, well. Do you think you age slower when you're, when you're performing? Because you experience time slower. <laughs> uh, there, there's you no might have Travis. There. <laughs> there's no Travis. Travis is already dead and buried. <laughs> Just light conversations with Ono. <laughs> yeah, I read two or three pages every night in front of two and a half men on television in the kitchen. <laughs> and then he has terrible nightmares. I do. Yeah. Ashton Kutcher and Dahlgren, like, match up. <laughs> is that coming on the next? Next album? That's so harsh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what is next for Ono? <laughs> well, Michael, only P. Michael score. knows for sure. Well, the I'd next album is going to be interesting. I'd, I'd love sure. to see Ono score a film. Oh, yeah, we can do yeah. that. That, that I mean, could be easily the, done. Your question was what other projects do we work on? Yeah. I primarily work on Ono because it's very fulfilling, and my primary interest is in scoring things, mm -hmm. which is why it keeps me interested. So the, I'll do little projects here and there that have to do with scoring mm -hmm. in some way. But that's what I would love to see for Ono sure. next. Because I think there's just... We could yeah. do a Dahlgren score. Yeah. Oh, man. That would be really cool. Oh, and Samuel Delaney is still alive. Yeah, do a score to his drawings. And to <laughs> Russell Atkins' drawings. Yeah, that's we, we get them both engaged. Mm -hmm. Do you oh. have their number? I oh, know. Anybody <laughs> out there? Can, oh, yeah, yeah, let us know, okay? <laughs> oh, let's let's hook so on up. Yeah, if you got a film that Thanks you want, you know, let us know. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Russell Atkins and Delaney. Mr. Delaney. You guys listening out there? I know you like weird music on WFMU. <laughs> I mean, you can use the, uh, the, the the stuff we just did as a starting point. Yeah. Yeah, truly. Wow, cool. Okay, so we've already planned out your next album. This is perfect. <laughs> Our work here is done. <laughs> we should be back in Chicago by Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, are you going to be playing any shows in Chicago or? We do have in one Byron's? show on the fifteenth of April, which should be interesting, um, at a little DIY house. But going to probably be uh, away for a little bit, just chilling till What's later in the summer. Maybe we'll go back out on tour again. Where's and I'll 15th? be making. I'm sorry. Oh, where's the fifteenth show? It's at uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and in the meantime, I'm going to be working on uh, two films, in one, one of which I am going to rescue a woman in Lake Michigan, so I have to go and start leaping into Lake Michigan, swimming oh. again. Jeez. Be careful. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, yeah, but, Take some uh, antibiotics. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> Cover my body in plastic. You guys, what are you up to? Quick sales? In the ADT? Uh, ADT is recording real soon. Thank Quick you. Sales has a new record coming out this year at some point on Hausu Mountain. Oh, yeah. yeah it's cool. Good good deal. Uh, Tiger Hatchery has uh, just had a record come out. and got another one in the can. Good. Nonstop. 
There you go. <laughs> and Dr. Shannon Rose Riley is out in California, and she is teaching and will be joining on our for some vocal experiments um, and, you know, via via email and Apple and all of those here and there across country during the same period. So who knows what's going to happen um, when you're when there are so many people doing so many things. So that's where we're at. <laughs> Is there anything else you guys want to mention that we didn't talk about already that's uh, important to let the radio audience know? Um, anything about Ono or? Our website. Oh, yes. Go. www.ono1980.com Yes, ono1980.com Ono as in onomatopoeia (laughs) O-N-O The year we formed, 1980.com Ono1980.com Well, um, if there's nothing else I want to thank you once again for coming to WFMU for making the trip for doing such a powerful performance and for having this conversation with me today. (laughs) Thank you you for asking the questions that we will have to answer at every show for the next few weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian, wherever you are. Thank you to Mario for engineering the session. Mario is God. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys, safe travels. Thank you. Thank you. you.